We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's a True Faith podcast. You've got myself, Alex Hurst, and Norman Riley to talk to you about yesterday's draw. Uh, Crystal Palace nil, Newcastle United nil, and we doubled our points total for the season. I think that's the most positive way of looking at it. Um, you know, me and Norman were going to talk about the result. Mike Ashley turning up with the fellow horseman of the ap- apocalypse yesterday at Crystal Palace's first game in 18 months. We're going to talk about who played well, who played badly, what we need to do better. Um, and all sorts of things, and uh, where we are in the relegation battle picture, which you could argue, and I think me and Norman will talk about whether we're in that or not. Uh, so, Norman, first of all, uh, do you have a good good day yesterday? We were both at the match and uh, met you down there. Was your, was your day a positive one? It was excellent. I had a, I had a cracking day. Um, you know, just the usual of of getting to, to see mates, have a few beers with them, a few, you know, um, that's probably underselling it. Um, like a few times three, maybe. But, um, that was all good. I thought. I thought the um, atmosphere pre-match was really good. Um, the the Crystal Palace tactic of having the kind of outdoor open bar area with um, pumping house music. Um, if, if it if it hadn't been the fact that it, if it hadn't been the fact that it was great and chopping it through rain, um, it would have felt like you were in some sort of weird weird bar in Ibiza. Um, so you had like people like bouncing around, dancing. It was pretty pretty good fun. Um, and also, um, much like last season. Uh, a fellow student from my program, um, a, a young American, she wanted to go to a football match in there. She has, I got her a ticket, and she absolutely loved it. Despite for us, it was like you know the kind of formulaic day out, not a great performance. We got drunk, good crack. But for her, it was like the first time she's done it, and she absolutely buzzed up. And and for me, that was actually that was almost as pleasurable as being there because you think you know what well, that that reminds me a little bit of of what it can be like sometimes. So. I all in all a pretty good day and um, safely tucked up in bed by ten o'clock at night because because I'm an old man. So there you go. Yeah, we we had a good day as well. We we got the bus from Newcastle, uh, left at five a.m. and didn't get there because of traffic, because of the weather, whatever, because of the fucking air show that was on somewhere down south, <laughs> and um, didn't get back till two a.m. So yeah, a twenty a solid what twenty twenty hour day, twenty one hour day. Um, but yeah, it was good crack with the lads. We're going to have some footage from that bus journey and some other stuff on the True Faith Podcast YouTube channel. Check it out. Link will be in this podcast. And uh, I, you know, it's always fun going to watch Newcastle play away from home and then uh, potentially sometimes the football starts and that fun stops for 90 minutes. But let's get on to the result, Norman. Um, a good result for you. Did, did, you, did you come away from Selhurst Park feeling more positive than negative yesterday? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, you, you might disagree, but... More positive, more positive. Maybe, maybe not in the sense that oh, you know, we've turned the corner because um, it was a, a kind of pitiful nil-nil performance. Um, but at the same time, I, I didn't like not losing yesterday was was the most important thing for me um, because Palace are one of those sides that, and especially based on yesterday's evidence, um, they're going to be doing their with us and the other teams who are who are doing nothing other than battling to stay in the Premier League game. I would put. I'll put probably in terms of personnel, Palace slightly above us. Um, they're, they're, they've got a better squad and better better players. Um, but we're, we're, we're capable of matching them just because we've got a much better manager. Um, so I, 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 take, I take it as a positive, a clean sheet away from home. You know, the defence has been absolutely fantastic this season. I think we saw evidence of that again yesterday, despite as we'll go into, I'm sure, Palace's missed opportunities. Um, it was uh, it was okay. Um, we'll we'll analyse the attacking performance, I guess. But all in all, in all, um, a point for me is a oh, good's a hard word. A, a point is a, a decent result, let's say. 
I mean, I agree uh, mostly that you've got to say Crystal Palace wouldn't be in relegation trouble this season, you'd think. So a point in a clean sheet away from home, uh, away in the Premier League to, to most teams, um, is, is, is very good. And, and despite some late pressure, Dubravka's not really had to pull off any saves. A um, couple of hairy moments, obviously, the... Um, the open goal miss from Sago. I, I think that ball was out. I mean, it was. Live, it was, mate. I've seen it since. I've seen yeah. it. I've seen it Ma- since. It was out. Day, yeah. The match of the day commentator said it didn't. The whole ball. It was out. It did I mean, go out. The the linesman was was nowhere near um, the ball. He was kind of on his heels a little bit. He had he had, a, he had real problems in the second half yesterday. That linesman right in front of the away stand as well, which which probably didn't help his cause um, in terms of feedback, but. Um, <laughs> Apart from that, I think I think it was a defensively resolute performance. We're going to get into the, the positives and stuff like that a bit later on. But back to the result, it's it's one of those. I mean, as, as an away fan, you you aren't cheering at the final whistle, or it doesn't matter whether you're in the ground or not. You're kind of relieved it's over. Um, it's it's you know, draws a draw, points a point. It gets us back on the board after Cardiff, and you know we've played two teams outside of the top six this season in the league, and we haven't conceded a goal, which isn't isn't a bad thing. Um, there's there's also the issue that we haven't looked like scoring, which I suppose I'll get on to later in the programme. But overall, um, a decent point that sets us up. Now, we do we play Man United in a couple of weeks at Old Trafford, and that is the only side from the top six that will play uh, from now to Boxing Day when we go to Liverpool. So it sets us up for this little kind of mini crucial run of games. I think it was, was it 12 games before this game of the weekend, so there's 11 games left now. Take out Man United. That's ten games to get. You know, maximum thirty points for, and you'd be you'd be really be looking for kind of fifteen to eighteen points, I think, to get us into the new year. And again, you know that tough run of games that we had at the start of the season. It's replicated later on. I think in January, so we really start to have to start winning games and picking up points very very soon. And a and a, and a point in a clean sheet away from home at Crystal Palace is, is not the worst platform to do that on. Um, before we go into the specifics of the game, Norman, um, bit of a turn up for the books yesterday. Mike Ashley was at his first game in, in 18 months with his, I, I don't even know what to call him, his employee, uh, his supplier to Newcastle United, Keith Bishop, um, his, I don't know, advisor in Justin Barnes and is the bloke that runs allegedly Newcastle United from Lee Charnley, uh, wrote the game. I didn't know they were at the game, but then the, the veracity of the Ashley out chance kind of gave it away a bit, and you kind of thought, is, like, is he here because it was so regular? And then, you know, Lee Ryder's written some good stuff for the Chronicle uh, in the, you know, since then, trying to explain things a bit, and um, he says Mike Ashley was there to and had a long meeting, although he didn't speak to Rafa, shock. Um, he was there, had a long meeting with Lee Charlie to gather the mood about the club. If I was Mike Ashley, I would have just cancelled that meeting after hearing the the abuse and the songs that he got yesterday quite a few um you know when ashley sells the club we'll have a party if ashley dies we'll have a party which is very nice but who am i to comment on, on such claims um, i didn't i don't even remember I, I don't remember that one but by god that's strong <laughs> uh, that's what that's what that, that's what like ashley does he, he he pushes good people to their absolute limits with the with the lies and the ways run the club um, obviously, we don't advocate anything like that at the True Faith podcast. Uh, would rather he just fucked off um, and sold the club and took loads of money away with him. So it's like everyone would win, but you know that's not new to anyone listening. Um, so why why do you think he turned up yesterday? No one obviously we're, we're speculating here, but is there any significance to you? And how how do you feel about it? Um, I've absolutely no idea. No one he has no idea about what goes on. I Mike actually said, I mean, part of me thinks he turned up just because he fancied a fucking wind up. Um, you know, and, and Bishop maybe Bishop said, "Oh, how it might you, you know the club that you own, just in case you forgot." Um, you know that football club that you own. Oh, well, they're playing in London, so fancy fancy popping along. Um, you know, not not quite in a broad Jordy accent. You know, and he's kind of that slithery PR accent that he's no doubt refined over the years. Um, while sat in his little throne and his little shabby shithole in Soho. Um, but uh, I, I mean this. I don't know. I mean, maybe he went to Palace because you know the formerly owned by Simon Jordan. There's a bit of a kindred spirit there. He just wanted to go and pick up on the on the you know the vibes because um, him because Simon Jordan, like Ashley, is an absolute bag of shite. Um, it's a, a very odd one. Um, and like you say, I, I hope he's. I mean, I hope that he's woken up this morning and thought, "Dear me, I've really, really done this poorly. Look what I've done. People are singing these songs about us. I must. I need to. You know, 
I need to take a bit of bit of time and um, you know go through a bit of introspection just to see where I've gone wrong. But he just won't happen with it. He won't, He literally won't care. He just won't care. He's um, as as I say, he's got he's got like sort of serious narcissistic personality tendencies, and I think he probably part of him would have enjoyed that yesterday. Um, put it this way, in the news this morning, he's closed down three branches of House of Fraser, so he literally doesn't give a fuck about anyone or anything other than himself, so it's an absolute mystery to me, mate. Um, a perverse sense of enjoyment that he was being sung at in those terms, he probably did. He probably probably got a masochistic kick out of it. I don't know, what what's your take on it? I agree with you in terms of that last point. I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird, strange position to find yourself in as a as a person to be to be loathed as much and then like you say to have no ability to think well is it me yeah <laughs> is it me like is it my fault or is it all those nasty people or, or all those tens or hundreds of thousands or millions of people around the united kingdom who don't like mike ashley um in his pursuit for ever growing riches um and what who would who would want to sit there and 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 listen to that um, for 90 minutes on, I presume, what is a day off, <laughs> um, you know, because he doesn't put any work in it, Newcastle United, so there's no work involved in, in this alleged meeting that took place. It's like, would you really have to go down to Crystal Palace to, 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 get, a, to get a feel from Lee Charney? Why don't you just fucking ring him um, and, and find out what's going on? Or why don't you, you stick your head, you know, or take your head out of your arse for five minutes to see what the hell's happened to Newcastle United and why? Um, I, th- I think the fact just the, the kind of all four were there, and it's like a little bit like bogeyman type thing. So there's been so much talked about um, Justin Barnes and who is he? Does he have a direct role at Newcastle United? All this kind of stuff. Um, for him to kind of appear with him at a match like that alongside Bishop, who everyone knows and dislikes. Charlie's there, obviously. I think he goes to every game home and away. It was almost a little bit like you know in my mind I, I want to equate that to the protests. I want to say that the protests are working, they're having an impact, and this is one of Bishop's terrible PR ploys. Like we'll we'll go to a match that'll show them that we're not going anywhere and to stop the protests because I mean if you look at some of the stunts they've pulled in the past, um, they do think that on on those simple lines. But like you correctly said at the start. No one knows. It might have had nothing to do with anyone. Maybe he wants to build a sports direct, like on the side of Crystal Palace. Maybe that was the crowd. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Can I jump in there, Alex? Sorry. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's it's interesting that that happened yesterday on the very um, day that the Times released that um, really really good excerpt of um, from Keegan's autobiography, um, in which you know Keegan's basically completely critiquing crit- crit- the whole model. Um, Keegan. Keegan saw what we what we came very quickly to see um, within a couple of years of actually Keegan saw it like almost straight away, didn't he? Um, in that article yesterday, I thought it was brilliant and, and really insightful, and um, it's a uh, it's just interesting. I think I, I like I put a tweet out yesterday saying like you think is it is a is a businessman somebody who's allegedly somebody who not allegedly sorry somebody who has made millions allegedly through you know business notes. Um, it almost like everything he does almost makes me think thinks makes me think every day. He he's, he's just he's just been lucky. He hasn't got any great acumen in the business world. He's just a lucky bastard. Um, he made his millions through through what I'm guessing must be luck. Um, you know, just one one thing went right for him, and all of a sudden he's got all this money, and now he just goes around hoovering up vulnerable firms, um, like the like the kind of hedge hedge fund manager that he is. Um, and you think he's managed to, as I say, ostracize Keegan and Shearer, and basically cut off Rafa. These three. Absolute heavyweights in the world of football. If you were a, if you were like a businessman, you'd just be thinking of God, uh, how lucky am I? I've got these three people who want to be part of this club, who want to go and work on behalf of this club. These three people can make me an absolute bucket load of money, and he's completely cut them all off. And you just think, how? In what way is that the kind of behaviour of somebody who has business acumen? Am I am I missing something? Yeah. No, you're not, and it goes back to the idea that in his head, is it all the fans' fault? Is it everybody else's fault that Newcastle are rubbish and not his? I say rubbish, but you know what, you know what I'm mm-hmm. getting at. Um, the, the saddest thing about Mike Ashley is that he could wake up, like you say, today and just fix it. He could just fix it. He could go and see Rafa Benitez. He could take some fucking time. He could use a helicopter. I don't care. Get up here, however you want to get up here, and say, Rafa, I need to see you today. And say right, okay, um, I'm going to give you complete operational control of football matters at Newcastle United. We are going to set aside some money of the club's own money, or we're going to get a mortgage or whatever on improvements or a new training ground, 
and we're going to employ people who work well with the fans and have the best interests of Newcastle United at heart. We're going to fuck off Keith Bishop unless he wants to work with like the players doing positive stuff for the local media to allow fan engagement. Those things are eminently possible and can be solved today. It, it's the. the <clears throat> Mike Ashley's issue in Castle United is solvable. It's not. It's not unreversible, despite the hatred, despite what we all think. And that happened with Rafa Benitez. And if you, <clears throat> sorry, just losing my voice here. Um, if you look at what happened with Keegan and Shearer, and then the return to the almost the football club in 2016-17 in the Championship, when we packed out the grounds, when you couldn't get tickets for home games against Bristol City and against Fulham and, and the like, compared to now where you can get tickets for for any game against against big sides. It, it it that proved that it is possible but once again once again we took 35 steps back to, after a couple of tentative steps forwards and um it's that's just the, that's the saddest thing and and on top of that he could just go he could just reduce the price of the club to a reasonable amount um and he could just go and he could have loads of money for it and he could get his get his money back or, or most of it and just piss off and do something else and and, and, and go back to house of fraser or Denham's or sports direct or goals soccer center all the other businesses that you didn't know he owned um but yeah that's we should probably get back to talk about football <laughs> ah, yeah you know and i'd say uh, and that's the thing isn't it with him uh, he's like he's so enigmatic and um incredibly ridiculous as a human being that we could literally sit here completely for, neglect the match and just talk about mike ashley for a good i would say a good five or six hours straight off the bat um but there you go let's not do that this show is sponsored by our patrons who pay £5 a month for about what, 25, 30 extra podcasts um, and also keeps this podcast free. We, we do a, 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 show, a show bi-weekly or bi-monthly called TF Any Questions where we ask any questions that fans ask in the, the kind of range from football to other matters. And One of the questions this week, normally you did the show, it was a great show, um, was what would you do? What was the, What's the first thing you'd do if you found out Ashley had sold the club, what was your answer? What is your answer? What was the first thing I'd do? Did I answer that question? Because I don't recall. Um, remind me. Oh, you did. Just, just say. You can just tell the listeners now. What would you do <laughs> if you if you heard tomorrow morning that Mike Ashley was gone? What would you do? I'd have a party. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, um, oh God, what would I do? I mean, I, I probably where am I now? I'm sat me Gaff and Lewisham. This may be a different answer than the one you got in Friday, by the way. Um, but. Uh, I'd probably, if I, if I found out I might actually sell the club, I'd probably phone and work sick, pretend I was ill, get on a train back to Newcastle and um, join the ranks, the mass ranks, you know, at uh, St. James's Park, just hugging and drinking and kissing each other, basically. Is that is that a good enough answer? <laughs> That's a great answer. That's a great answer. I'd probably record a podcast. What was my answer on Friday? What was my answer on Friday? I can't remember. It was, it was a great show, though, but uh, it, was, it was definitely one of the questions. <laughs> I think it was very similar. It involved alcohol and hugging and kissing. Hugging and kissing, like, um, yeah, like just kissing, kissing random strangers. You know what I mean? Like, but not in a not in a weird, weird creepy way, because you know that's that's disgusting. But we'd all just be in the middle of Newcastle, all happy, grown men and hugging and crying. That's what it would be like, mate. It would be like um, it would be like the end of a the end of a dictatorship. In fact, I can only assume it would be like exactly what it was like when um, you know when Franco died in Spain. <laughs> that's exactly what it would be like. I'm sure. Right, back to the football. That's why everyone listens. Um, okay, let's talk positives. Norman, yesterday, who played well? Um, what, there was one standout performance. It was Federico Fernandez. I thought he was excellent. Um, and I've and I've thought that. Totally I've thought that for every game. Every game he's played in, he's a he's a leader. Um, he bosses the back line. He's more vocal than Jamal Lascelles. I think if it, that this is the kind of maybe the third match I've seen him in now where he's been doing more of the talking at the back. Um, you know, in and around the club, like it's quite obvious that Lascelles has got a lot of respect. Um, although, you know, I think I think Lascelles has been a little bit quieter this season. That's the impression I'm getting. Anyways, um, whereas Fernandez seems to just uh, he just knows the game, doesn't he? he reads the game well. Uh, he knows how to manage a back line. He's he's tackling. He's timing. The timing of his tackles is absolutely fantastic. Um, and also he can play the ball out really well. He can play the ball out. He can pick a pass. And um, I think we saw all of that yesterday. So I he was heading shoulders. In fact. Um, I don't think anyone in a Newcastle strip, maybe, you know, you can take Dubravka out of the equation because he wasn't really tested. Um, I don't think anyone got anywhere in Fernandez yesterday. I think he was quite obvious our standout performer. I totally agree. And one of the things which impressed me most was his ability to cover the fullbacks on both sides was fantastic. 
Um, he, he recognizes danger and reads the game a bit like you know Lejeune is is, is also very good at this and mm-hmm. and kind of at any time um, we're gonna talk about Yedlin in a bit but Yedlin was so successful yesterday against the Hall that they basically gave up with that left hand approach um, and switched him to the right to have a go at Dummett uh, and 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 Zahar or the the young left back for Palace did get behind him a couple of times. Um, when on counter attacks, rare, rare counter attacks for Palace because they had most of the ball, um, and and Fernandez came over and, and two or three slide tackles in front of the away end, which were absolutely perfect. And there, there's something about on a soaking wet day, yeah, um, your centre your centre back just cleaning out a player and getting the ball uh, right in front of the away end or right in front of, front of the home fans, which is um, which is beautiful to watch. Titus Bramwell was actually very good at it. <laughs> And uh, yeah, he's, he times his tackles so well. Like you say, he's a leader. Um, he was a little bit lax in possession, playing out once or twice in the second half, but he wasn't mm. the only one. Um, that's probably more due to the fact that the midfield was so deep, it's difficult to pick out the right pass. But yeah, and it's six million quid. Um, questions asked again. Why didn't we have him in for the start of the season? Um, he's clearly supplanted Clark. Shaw didn't make the bench yesterday. Um, as a... You know, as as the first choice centre back in Lejeune's absence, um, and it's just a really, really good bit of business by by the club and by Rafa. Obviously, he played, he managed him before at Napoli, um, but yeah, six million quid just looks like a, a complete steal again. And you look at our defence: five million for Yedlin, Pete is is fantastic value. Dummett cost out, um, though you could argue he's like the only <laughs> academy product we've, we've had in like the Ashley era, apart from Carroll, who kind of predates Ashley's time from the academy. Um, and uh, it, yeah, you know, Lascelles three million. It's just what a what a back four we've got for the price that we're paid. I'd, I'd rather we're paid like more money for players because it would mean we're a proper football club, but we're not at the minute. Um, but yeah, totally agree with you on Fernandez. And uh, it's it, I've got a lot of faith in in the back four at the minute. Yeah. Anyone else for you? Um, I thought in the first half it was quite obvious that Shelby was back in the side. Obviously, obvious in the centre. You can see him and he stands up, <laughs> but. Uh, um, the, the in terms of how the, the team played, you know, we um, I just thought that he's this season Shelby's kind of control, his movement on the pitch, um, and his determination. I just like that, that, that almost come into like a, a kind of a pinnacle. It's almost like he has a see had that that kind of epiphany post Christmas last year, and he's just turned into a really a really mature, quality Premier League midfielder. Um, and we saw flashes of that in the first half. Second half, like you know, much like the rest of the side, he he was almost not involved in the game. Um, but he he was a he was a, he was a bit of a, it was a boon seeing him back. Um, and also, like you say, Yedlin, I thought handled Zaha very well. Zaha was, I mean, even Hodgson said after the match, didn't he? he said that Zaha was just I'm in a quiet day. Um, and I like the pelt as that came Zaha's way as well when Fernandez took that tackle, did that tackle, and um, and Zaha complained about it and. Uh, he got loads of pelters from the fans and he just gave like a kind of a little cheeky smile, which was a nice, it was like a nice two-way kind of interaction between fans and a, a player of an opposition club. There was nothing, nothing malicious in it. It was just like, yeah, we know what you're doing. We're going to tell you. And then he kind of acknowledged it by giving that smile. It was a really lovely moment. Um, who else? Um, let me think. God, mate, I'm really struggling here. Um, <laughs> and the first half, Richie didn't have much of the ball, but I thought his off-the-ball work was really, really, um, really good. Um, I mean, I'm really, I'm really clutching at straws here, aren't I? Uh, and let's see who else. Um, I don't think Dummett was. I think Dummett was okay. Um, I think he kind of, yeah, Zaha got behind him a couple of times, but I think he handled him well enough. Um, and apart from that, dear me. Uh, I well, yeah, let's talk about Yedlin. Yeah. Because this is Yedlin's biggest task of the season against the Palace's best player. If you keep Wilfred Zaha quiet, Palace don't score a win. Fact. Um, and I thought he handled him superbly. I thought that, uh, yeah, he got the book in near the end of the first half and the, 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 the hit the post from that kind of overhead free kick, um, which is the, the best chance of the game. And I just, I just thought he handled Zaha really, really well. He kept up with him pace-wise, which was always going to happen. And there's probably no bigger compliment than Zaha being switched flanks. Remember, Yedlin's on a book in the second half. We're all worried, thinking, shit, you know, that if he gets past him, he can't touch him. Um but it was an interesting tactical change. When Yedlin got the booking, um, essentially when Zahar was going up against Yedlin one-on-one, it basically meant Richie was almost playing as a second right-back when they were in possession, so that Richie was the first person that Zahar had to get past so that he had to bring him down. So it was a quite smart and clearly pre-planned tactical change from the manager and the team, which worked really well. And yeah, it negated Richie completely second half. Um, 
as an attacking threat. Although good header for that Hoslu chance, going to talk about Hoslu and Rondon in a bit. But I just I just thought it's it's a real tick there in, in Yedlin's um career, in Newcastle career to date. That this you know if you look back to the McLaren game, the five one, um would it, would it have been Yamat who played? Um, but I think Zaha might have been on the other side that day when Balassi played against. Uh, I can't remember. It was a long time ago, and I obviously have tried to forget about it for good reason. <laughs> um, you look at the the comparison com- compared to then to now. It was just a really positive performance by Yedlin, and, I, and I, I think he deserves the, all the credit in the world for for keeping Zaha quiet. And you know, I wanted to kind of talk about it later, but we may as well talk about it. But I thought Mariner was was really really poor again. Terrible, um, terrible. The first the, all the officiating yesterday was fucking shocking. To be honest with you, I thought. And um, in the first half, Palace kept getting given free kicks mm-hmm. in and around our penalty area, um, and it was it was frustrating to watch. And I thought we were a little bit naive and were were, were, were wised up second half. But I mean, the one where Dubravka makes a decent save and kind of fists it away that you wouldn't expect them to to. You know, fail there to, to to let it in. That that just uh, Zahar skipped past a couple of players, backheeled the ball, and just fell into Modiame. So it was hard to have the ball, and to give a free kick there was just absolutely scandalous. Um, and it was happening time and time again. I, I haven't seen that many highlights were at the other end of the pitch to where this was happening in the away stand, but I, I just thought he was he was more than happy to to dish up free kicks to Palace players. What what basically the likes of Townsend. Um, Van Arnhold, Zaha, all the all Palace's lads. What they do is they kind of because they've got lots of pace and Newcastle sit defender deep. They run around the edge of the penalty area, mm. often going sideways, not forwards, and it looks quite good. But it gets frustrating, and then they realise there are no options because we're good at defending. We've got that many bodies back, so they just fall over. And 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 Mariner bought it almost every single time, um, and it was very very frustrating. To- uh, I thought I thought he was really poor. To- Townsend, by the way, just just a quick note about Townsend. Um, Townsend gave the performance, the type of performance yesterday that he gave at Tottenham. Why and one of the reasons why Pochettino got rid of him, he was just that kind of headless chicken driving with a ball and not actually doing anything with it, poor end product, etc., etc. And Townsend, it's one of those for me where I genuinely think that regardless of how poorly run Newcastle on to make Ashley, if he decided to stay that season in the Championship. I think not only would he have had a blinding season in the Championship on a Rafa, he would have been in the England squad even though he was in a division lower. Um, he would have come back and he would have been he would have been brilliant last season. Like he, that 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 ten game spell under Rafa was probably Towns, the best of Townsend's career con, on a consistent basis. And for me, he's just one of those players who's got like a god given talent. He's completely wasted it um, by being in a club where he's not going to get the kind of um, the the management that he'd get under someone like Rafa Benitez. Uh, yeah, I just just wanted to make a note. I don't know what you thought of his performance yesterday. Was it one of those you thought, yep, yeah, there's a player who who's just not realising what he's got. I couldn't agree more. And it was the same at St James's last season at the same at the same down there at their place where the first five minutes you see him on the ball and the kind of your memory clicks into gear like shit. Townsend's really good play, he's gonna do a lot of damage as the game goes on, you just forget about him. Um, uh-huh. because he needs really Probably he's really well coached, and he needs clear and defined roles. What his job is in the team, and what he's supposed to do, and he just doesn't have it now. The problem that he's got at Palace is that he's clearly in the first half. Palace's only game plan was to get the ball left to Van Aanholt and Zaha. That was it. Nothing through the middle. Nothing down the right. Nothing. Just nothing. Um, and that's probably difficult for Townsend to deal with. And then he gets switched flanks, not because he is doing anything badly probably but because Zahar isn't doing anything well so that's an issue but yeah it, it's a massive shame for him I'm sure he makes lots, lots of money and is very happy he's a Premier League footballer but if he'd have stayed at Newcastle two things would have happened if he'd have stayed at Newcastle when we were relegated A he'd have become a, a cult figure with the fans an absolute hero he'd have scored goals for fun and Matt Ritchie did very well and, and Matt Ritchie's a good solid player for Newcastle and, and very popular so we might not have bought Matt Ritchie who was so important but, mm-hmm. but Andrews Townsend would have taking the piss out of the championship he'd be doing tokens in 20 years time coming back here making money off that he'd be a he'd be a, a club legend by now and i agree with you. he'd be in the england squad he'd have played at the world cup he'd have played at euro to, uh, 2016 so his loss Hi. um yeah zaha though that you know that that image you, you alluded to before where zaha came and had like a three or four well that's an exaggeration but a, a long chat with the linesman because fernandez had the temerity to tackle him. It was the same in in the second half on the other side when Zahar went went through and um, I think it was Yedlin put a really good tackle in. Someone put a really good tackle in on Zahar. Perfect tackle. No 
question of it being a foul. And the home fans in Zahar were like up at the ref and kicking off. And it's just like, you know, it, we, the other team is allowed to tackle you, lads. I appreciate that, you know, you're probably used to, in a Brighton sense, getting a lot of penalties um, for not for very little. But the other team is allowed to tackle you. And it's like, what was what what could Zahar have possibly been saying to the linesman there? He's not allowed to, Fernandez, he's not allowed to tackle me. He's running too fast. Have you seen the weather? He might hurt me. Like, get on with the game. You know, you're trying to imagine that you're trying to chase a chase three points in an, an important home game. And Palace haven't scored a home goal this season, remember, which we're going to come on to. Um, I just I just thought it was a, a bizarre moment. And you know how normally when players try and talk to officials or uh, particularly linesmen, they just get told to fuck off. You will you will just see linesmen repeat over and over again with the hand motion, go away, go away, go away. Why is this linesman like taking time out of the game to speak to Wilfred Zaha? It makes no sense. Um and and then you've got Hodgson coming out after the game saying Zaha's performance was affected because of things he said in a press conference last week. Bizarre. Bizarre. Do you wanna hear my uh, do you wanna hear my um my kind of my dream plan for um, officiating in the Premier League? Right. So a little bit off topic, but Basically, what I think, right? I think that when people come out of like the military, I'm talking like you know, like the paras and the Royal Marines, right? When they come out, they should like there should be a program to retrain them as Premier League um, officials. So right. because they've got because they've got like the kind of you know they've got the the aura of having served in like special forces, and they've also got the confidence that goes with that. I mean, you you know you've got military in your family. You, you know how like. You know how these these blokes carry themselves. I mean, they're not they're not frightened of anything. And I don't think like uh, a footballer on a hundred grand, he's screaming in their faces. I don't I don't think it would kind of kill them at all. And uh, it would just be a brilliant a brilliant thing for people going the military. There you go. And that's my that's my business plan. I don't know what people what people think. Any politicians listening? Please feel free, please feel free to get in touch, and I'll write it up for you. There you go. You're hoping it's going to be like encoded into law. <laughs> Absolutely. It, 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 no, it, it should be a law made. It should go into parliament and be debated. I'm up for it. I'm in fact, I'm fucking. I'm I'm running on a platform next year as a politician, and that's me. That's me policy. Vote Norman. Thank okay. <laughs> uh, very quickly, I have to give a plug to the next True Faith Supporters Forum. Eleventh uh, of October. Still time to get tickets. About 130 sold so far. We're selling 200 this time. Um, get yourself along. All of the money goes to charity plus a small booking fee, which goes to the website, not us. Um, Eventbrite and. Yeah, help come raise money for charity here. David Conn of The Guardian, talk about Mike Ashley, Sports Direct Newcastle United. Here, Jay McKenna from Spirit of Shankly, Liverpool Supporters Union, about what Liverpool did um, regarding you know getting rid of their ownership and what the think Newcastle fans can do to take the fight to Mike Ashley. You've also got excellent local journalists in the shape of Simon Bird, uh, George Colton, Luke Edwards, and we've also got you know several other guests speaking from the Magpie Group from NUST. And get yourself along. We're going to take questions on the night. They've all biased, of course, but I think they've been excellent events in the past. People have taken a lot from them. They've been hugely popular. Uh, so come along, help us sell the event out. There's going to be raffles on the night as well, various prizes. All the money goes to charity. So do do a good thing and have a good night um, about how to take the fight to Mike Ashley. Okay, so Norman, let's let's crack on with the podcast. Um, I'm going to I'm going to kind of put to you what what didn't impress me and why. Um, and uh, maybe talk a little bit about I'll move up the running order about where it leaves us in the season and the relegation picture I am very concerned um, and probably more concerned than I've been at any other point on the Rafa um, about our inability to create chances now yeah I, I, I get it you look at Spurs we created enough chances to win the game we should have won the game in my opinion uh, unlucky not to get a draw and probably bad bad finishing on our part um, and poor defending costs us the game you know, Man City and Chelsea, unlooking not get a, go, a draw, uh, probably a deserved draw against Chelsea. We've created very little, um, kind of scored with only chance. Um, Arsenal would, would hardly had a chance of note while while the game was live. Man City away is Man City away. The three big games that worry me now: Nottingham Forest away, rotated team, but but a poor performance. Uh, Nottingham Forest away, Cardiff away, poor performance. Should have won the game at the end, but if you look at the chances, quick, we had a lot of shots and we're we're better in attack against Cardiff than any other team. Then Cardiff have just been done five by Man City at home yesterday. Um, Cardiff away and now Palace away. We haven't had any sustained pressure. I feel in any of those games, uh, we haven't really worked the opposition goalkeeper in any of those games. 
Um, and I'm just starting to get a little bit concerned, Norman, that we are going to be really short in an attacking sense. Now, over the summer, we talked on podcasts for our patrons about what we'd like to see for the new season ahead, and one of the main things is we didn't score enough goals last season. Now, that's not Rafa's fault. That hasn't been sorted. I'm sure he would have loved to sign an array of attacking talent on a reasonable budget, but wasn't given the opportunity to. Um, so, Norman, your take on it, because I'm, I'm looking at the league table now, and again, I've moved this up the running order, uh, just for your information. I'm looking at the league table, and you've got the teams you'd expect to be below us in terms of um, Huddersfield and Cardiff, who I think will be below us all season, um, and below a lot of teams. And then looking above us, you look at the likes of Burnley won 4 nil yesterday. Fulham, again, Fulham had a much, much easier start than us, um, and have only got three points more. Southampton, Brighton... Uh, kind of the only teams you'd think would be in the relegation picture. Um, simply, are you as concerned as I am about our inability to score goals? Because I, I'm starting to think we're, we're aiming very much so for fourth bottom now, and I'm almost struggling to see too many teams above us who who are definitely going to finish below us now, now the season started. Your thoughts? Uh, I, I broadly agree with you. Um, I'm, I'm really... Yeah, you're right. The, the, it's the sustained pressure bit that you, you mentioned there. We're, we're not... In none of the games that we've played so far, and I, you know, there's an argument that the opposition in four of them have been very, very high quality, and it was always going to be difficult. But usually in a match, you'll get like a five or ten, fifteen minute spell, maybe once, or maybe once, or maybe you get that twice in a match where you know you 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 get the ball in the box, um, you've got players in the box, you you kind of you, the keeper pulls up a couple of saves, you know, whatever. We we just haven't had that. We haven't had it, and it's really it is really worrying. You're absolutely right. Um, it's, uh, I mean. Is it down to the players? Is it down to the tactics? I, d- I don't know. Um, but, I mean, I suppose there's the argument that Shelby was out for, what, three of those games, maybe? Two or three of the first six games? Um, yeah, but if, you, so, but if you look at, you played at Cardiff and you played yesterday, it's only Forrest he didn't play at in terms of the games that... I, I'm, uh, I'm, almost, I'm almost discounting those games because it's fine uh, and the, the um, you know, the tactical setup in all of those games the fact that we're, apart from Arsenal we nearly got something from all of those games against mm. far far superior teams I've got no issue with that it's it's the three other games that I'm that, that concern me far more I agree with you um, I think um, I think what's quite clear at the minute is that um, we're actually missing Dwight Gale um, in in the summer I, I welcomed the, the the signing of Rondon um, and in an ideal world, we would have kept Gale, but we didn't. And you think, okay, well, Rondon, you know, he's probably a better player than Gale, um, but he's not being given enough time on the pitch to kind of to show what he's capable of or to settle in. And I think that Gale and Perez were working so well together last season um, that I'd almost rather have those two up front at the minute. Um, I think, I think we've missed. I think we've missed. I think we're missing. Gale's ability to get in behind defenders and to, to to work the line and to kind of open up space for other players just through his just through his kind of annoyance factor. Um so that that's an issue and unfortunately um I, I'm with you mate. I'm with you. I'm, I'm very I'm very concerned that we don't have goals in the side. That's that's a big a big worry right now. Um you know we might we might finish the match against Leicester having banged in three and, and won three one or three now we might think oh what were we worried about? But you're right at the minute there is there is a concern. Um there's no, there's no five to ten minute as I say five to ten minute um spell of of pressure on the opposition and you kind of think to yourself when's that gonna come and where's it gonna come from? We, we are massive victims of the the fixed list, of course. I mean, I mentioned Fulham there, and because people think Fulham have had a, a pretty good start of the season. Um, I think they've got what five points from six games. At, they've won one game. Huh? They've, they've won one match. Had the fortune you could say to play Palace at home, Burnley at home. Brighton away, but uh, and and uh, Watford at home, and it's those home games. So you know we we've got. I mean Leicester are not a bottom half side, but le- we've got Leicester next week, and it's that Brighton game after Man United after the international break will probably be massive. So I might be being a bit harsh because let's we probably the only team in the league that hasn't had a bottom ten side to play at St James's Park in front of our own fans to really have a go at and create some chances. So I'm I'm kind of. Parking the concerns for now because we won't know until we've had maybe a couple of games against teams that you would expect us to win at home. But um, Matt, there's all there's always the concern that these other teams are far better striking power than us, better goal scoring midfields than us, and ultimately they'll probably spend in January. Where if 
is if they're in trouble. Whereas last season showed that we were in big trouble in January. We spent zero pounds apart from a couple of loan fees um, for players in terms of Kennedy, Martin Dubravka, and the, lad, uh, the Algerian lad, Slamani. Slamani. I can't believe I forgot his name there. Yeah, Slamani. So, so it is a concern for me. Um, Rondon's performance for me was a concern. Now that might be entirely down to the fact he was injured, um, but I thought he was really immobile. Um, he, I think, he only had seventeen touches, um, and twice Shelby played kind of the typical ball you'd expect Shelby to play over the top between the centre back and the full back to kind of stretch the play, move the team up the pitch. And I had a discussion with Adam at half time yesterday, and Adam said, "Well, he's not Dwight Gale," and it's true he's not Dwight Gale, but. He is mobile. We saw Rondon at Manchester City have a tremendous performance, really good game, and really and 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 managed to run him behind. But he just didn't. It just didn't happen yesterday. And when that doesn't happen, we look like a very very ordinary side, and the ball keeps coming back, and it seems like we can't get up the pitch. And then you've got Jose Perez. Now, how much is Jose Perez missing? Dwight Gale. I thought Dwight Gale. Dwight Gale's upturn in performances, although it didn't bring goals in our kind of golden patch last season after Christmas when we lost very few games. Um, Perez kind of thrived off the space that great Gale created him. Now, Perez got a lot of stick in the away end yesterday, I thought, um, and he, he was lax in possession. He lost the ball a few times. Um, but at the end of the day, he's he's an attacking player who doesn't really get the ball in the box. And yeah, his, his finish was poor for probably our best chance, but that chance was entirely of his own making in terms of nipping the ball away from, from James Tonkins. So... It's just, I'm trying to think where the goals are going to come from. I thought Hosloo did really well. Probably Hosloo's best performance yesterday when he came on in the second half. He was mobile, mm-hmm. he won the ball. He, that overhead kick was sensational. Um, there was a couple of times he got away from a defender and, and miskicked the ball, uh, which is kind of frustrating. But, you know, your, your take on Rondon and Perez yesterday, do you think it was just injury issues that, that saw that performance from Rondon? Or were you, did, did, did you think Rondon had a, had a good I don't game? Think he was, um, I don't think he was as poor as what, as what you were, what you think. Um he had very little to, to go off. Um, but having listened to what you said there about those those Shelby balls, you're right. I, I remember them. I remember them with a bit more clarity now. And you're right. Like that's they're the kind of balls that Dwight Gill would have just been onto, and, and Rondon should have. Um, I'd I'd like to think that it's just an injury. Um, I really would. Um, but it, it also, what what we need to see, I think, is um, like a decision being taken on on who who's going to go up top with Perez, and it needs to just. Be, it needs to be allowed to to kind of grow for five or six games off the spin. So Gale and Perez last season, it took them a while to click, but when they did, they were unbelievably effective. Um, and this season we've had kind of Hosselu Rondon, Hosselu Rondon. Perez hasn't had like a consistent partner, and I just think I'd like to see, I'd like to see um, Rafa just say, you know what, this is this is me front two, and I'm going to stick with it for the next five or six games to see how it how it progresses. Um, so whether that's Rondon or Hosselu, who knows? Um, I'd rather have Rondon because he's a better player than Hosselu, I think. Um, but I, there just needs to be a for me. There just needs to be a consistent front two getting to understand each other. What, what do you think? I agree. I think the the, the first choice front two is is definitely um, uh, Perez and Rondon. I, I don't think there's any doubt in that, in that respect. But Rondon's fitness is a concern. Um, he missed the start mm. of the season despite doing a full pre-season with West Brom he obviously hasn't managed to feature in a couple of games since then uh, for whatever reason and then he was off at half time again yesterday he didn't play him against Forrest in the Cup to rest him and it's just like I don't think he came injured but it just seems to me like Rafa's got a couple of concerns about his overall match sharpness and match fitness now that that might be totally you know, normal and natural he might have picked up an injury they don't want to tell us about he may just take a little while to get going. It's a play that we don't know and don't know much about. But um, I, I'm, I'm, I would really like to see, to kind of contradict you a little bit in terms of you want to see Rafa stick with them, I would like to see Muto given a chance because he's fast. And uh, he, oh, it, you know what? Actually, I, I can't, yeah. Muto, I completely forgot about him. Completely forgot about him. At the start of last right. season, and when we struggled, Rafa was very much keen on Hosselu up front. And he played Dwight Gale with Hosselu sometimes, but he wanted the big man up front. And as things got a little bit more desperate almost, he he kind of sacked that off. And, and then then we started playing the little man, the two little men up front, Gale and Perez, and it, and it worked. So I don't know why Muto and Perez isn't an option just to try and just give Muto a game at centre forward and think, you know what, like, <laughs> let's see what you've got. And that run, those balls that John Joe Shelby's playing yesterday, they aren't just going out of play. 
they aren't look you know looking stupid to everyone in the ground and everyone watching. Muto's on the end of them. I would just like to see it, and because like we say, Perez worked so well. In in, in my opinion, I might be you know looking for things that aren't there because of Gale's pace and the space that Gale's pace created for Perez. I mean, the Arsenal goal is a classic example at home when we beat them two one. Ball over the top for Gale, great touch. He moves the centre back out of position. Perez ghosts into the the space and scores at the front post that's just not happening this season and I would like to see Muto given a chance and it's a it's a bit of a weird one I mean what nine ten million pound it's an absolute like nout really for an attacking player in the Premier League but it's a small fortune for Mike Ashley's Newcastle United and it's just strange that he hasn't given more of a chance and yeah I'm clutching at straws here but I just feel every time he comes on he won the penalty at Cardiff he looked he kind of made a difference when he came on I thought against Arsenal like he kind of dragged everyone forwards five or ten yards and then we put on that little bit of pressure at the end and then mm-hmm. yesterday even he was just he just pushed Palace's defenders and he just rushed them a little bit compared to Hosselu or Rondon and I would like to give, see him given a, give a shot now I agree. he didn't have a great game at Forest who did when he played there behind Hosselu. Um but I would like to see him given a given a go but I think I think we'll you know, I think if Rondon wasn't in the starting eleven for Leicester next weekend, some some serious questions would have to be asked. Um, you know, Matt Ritchie's had an, an indifferent start of the season, fitness-wise. Um, he's you know great header yesterday from the free kick. He's still Matt Ritchie, and he obviously was given a, a defensive duty um, with Palace's attacking players. But we just have so little at the moment attacking wise and kind of you almost fall into that trap of wanting to see other players play well it might not be the players that are playing's fault that we're, we're playing so defensively or they're doing so little in the in the opposition part of the pitch but um yeah it, it's back to the original question it, it's a concern and until we start scoring goals it'll remain a concern um at the end of the day you know that team that put three past Chelsea on the last day of last season created several more chances it's it's almost the same team so they they can do it um, it just it's just when Rafa decides to kind of play a more attacking formation or, or certainly a more attacking mindset, which which may well happen against Leicester next week or Brighton uh, three weeks after that. But ultimately, we're going to have to start scoring goals soon. The team needs it. The fan base needs it. It's it's why you play football. And um, we'll look a million miles at the minute from being able to to test goalkeepers regularly. But like I say, that might be because of the opposition and the, and the fixture list we've had. We've been a, a huge victim of, a, of an absolutely brutal fixture list. And the fact that we're doing fine ourselves cut off um, is probably a good thing looking back. And, you know, we're still only a couple of wins away from the top half. Um, and football changes pretty quickly, as we saw last season. So, Norman, to finish off, um, are you still still confident of us uh, avoiding the drop? I, <laughs> I, I am, I am, yeah. We'll not get relegated. I'm still convinced of that. Um, I think it's going to be a tougher season than last. Who will fi- who will finish below us? Uh, I'll say Cardiff, Huddersfield, and I'll go for any of um, Southampton or Brighton. Um, I think that's it. Uh, I even even Fulham, to be honest with you, mate. I think I can even see Fulham getting sucked in because, as you say, they've had a pretty you know, nice start of the season in terms of fixtures and they've only had one win and they're only, what, three points ahead of us? Um, you know, we've got a better goal we've got a better goal difference as well. And they'll ship a lot more goals as look at it down the bottom, look at look at the look at the goals columns at the bottom, minus. We're like we're minus yeah. four and well third bottom. We've had we've lost each game by one goal and and that that for us, like the, the defence defensively we have a fantastic defensively and that's gonna be hugely important. Um I think I think Watford will probably drop as well. Um, whether or not they'll finish below it, I don't know, but I think they'll drop. Um, so I still think there's five or six teams who who could quite feasibly finish below us. Um, we we just need to we just need to get on a run, pick up the points, get the confidence into the players, get the confidence into the fans, and we'll be alright. Yeah, well, Watford, I agree, they'll drop, but well, I mean they've got 13 points already. So if you need like normally right. about 36 points to stay up these days, um, yeah, they only need 23 more points from like 32 games. <laughs> Um, uh, so even still, if they have an absolute uh, like disgusting relegation form second half of the season. They still probably stay up, um, but yeah, I agree. I, I'm always going to back Rafa um, in in my ideal world and in your ideal world, Norman. I'm sure, and everyone listening, Mike Ashley releases some funds in January to buy some proper um, attacking footballers for the Premier League, and we crack on and have a really good second half of the season again. The reality will probably be different. Well, he has one for you, mate. He has one for you. If 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 we're kind of hovering around the bottom three or four when the January transfer window opens, or let's say mid-January, um, and Ashley starts to realise that actually relegation is a very real threat, um, 
do you think there are these funds at all? Or alternatively, if we're actually comfortably out of the relegation zone and like and you know in sort of tenth, eleventh, or twelfth, do you think he's then he, like Rafa's got less chance of getting money there? If you see what I mean, it's almost like it's almost like do we have more chances of him releasing funds if we're absolutely struggling in January? Or you just think either way he's probably not going to release the money? Yeah, you have to look at the summer and the fact that we made a twenty-three million pound profit. And according to Mark Douglas on Twitter last night, um, Rafa didn't want to lose Gale, but the financials mm-hmm. meant that you had to suggest that we're not going to yeah. spend any money we could be bottom of the league we could be fifth um i just don't think so i'd love to be wrong and last season i was convinced we'd spend money in january um because we were in severe danger of getting relegated not only did we not spend money <laughs> we didn't even get the <laughs> <our> loans in <laughs> like like to play in january like the, the, the kennedy's first game was february the 1st and then Slimani and Dubravka didn't come in until like mid February or late February. So it's just not like not only did we not spend money, and it's the same with this summer. Not only did we not get spend any money, we brought in Muto and Rondon too late to, to play any preseason games in Fernandez after the season, had, or well, before mm-hmm. the season started. But you know what I mean? Um, just uh, so, yeah, I, I'm very pessimistic about that outlook. But you know what? We're, we're wrong plenty, me and you, Norman, <laughs> so could be wrong about this too. Um, Okay, I think that's it for the True Faith podcast this week. Uh, we've got 50, 50 minutes <laughs> out of a nil-nil draw at Crystal Palace. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, if you like what you hear, try Patreon out. It's £5. We really appreciate it. It's, it helps improve um, the, the show and all that kind of stuff. And Hope to see you come along to the, the supporters forum 11th of October at the Irish Centre in Newcastle. Bring a mate, tell a mate, and uh, it should be a good night. Uh, we'll be back for you next with the free podcast for after Leicester Norman which is a, a massive game I was supposed to ask you about that but I forgot just a, a quick look a, a couple of quick words for you on that huge game um, of course it's it's the game that we need oh I hate to see it we need to be looking to get in the win here and we need like a, I want I want to see a performance where you know chances are created we bang in a couple of goals we, we walk away from the stadium with the three points the full line whistle guns Lascelles comes over claps the fans as does Rafa there's a good atmosphere in the stadium everyone's happy and um we think, you know what, that's it. Three points in the bag, man, you. Let's rate it off, it's irrelevant. Um, and then we're going to really gun for it. Uh, that's what I want to see. I'll be up for it. Um, it'll be, you know, it'll be a 100% worthwhile journey if on the train on the way back to We've got the three points in the bag. It's, uh, I, it's, a, it's a big one. Well said and thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.